Wow, I didn't expect this many people to be here. <laughs> Happy New Year. Before we get started, as you receive your evangel this week, there's a special article in there. Today completes the 14th year of Brother Lee Allred. Brother Lee, thank you for your service here and your willingness to come and do what you do. I'm a better person. I'm a better person because you chose to serve here. Thank you. Brother Matt's known he's going to be on holiday for a while. And believe me, he's one person that needs to spend time away with his family. So as he's away, continue to pray for him that he gets some relaxation and he catches up with some of his family that he sees very little because he's here so often. There's two things about today that I'm glad of. First of all, I love sermon series. But the scariest part of all is being asked to speak in the middle of one of those. And you're given a passage that you know nothing about. So today we're going to have some topical thoughts. Not a sermon series. We're going to be talking about endurance. And what I've chosen is four different passages. Written to four different people at four different times. And look at what God said to them and how that applies to us today. I hope you find as much enjoyment and maybe some thought-provoking uh, issues through the Holy Spirit's prompting that I have had in studying these passages. Keeping with Brother Matt's format my main statement today is move forward trusting God to turn your problems into pathways builds endurance just a quick story uh, I thought God was kind of humorous in saying maybe this is what you need to speak about I had the chance to speak to uh, a small group of believers in the Caribbean one time got up to speak before I could speak at all my glasses broke in two so uh, I, I went without notes that day another time I got to speak and I actually got out of the vehicle walking into the church building I looked down and vertigo showed up um, so I'm here today with a little hesitation on speaking about endurance in what's happened to me in the past. But I want to start, we all know this story. We know that all throughout the Old Testament, the Jordan River plays uh, a huge part of Israel's history. And we know that at Joshua 3, 15 through 17, this is the second time that the children of Israel have come to the 
Jordan River. The first time, the parents didn't do quite so well. Some of those children were alive at the time, and they have actually been in the wilderness for 40 years before they come back. They're the oldest of the congregation at that point, and they're being led by Joshua. Wonder what went through their minds as they came to that location again just across Jericho. Let's read. And as Brother Matt does, I'm using the English Standard Version. Beginning in verse 15, And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflowed its banks throughout the time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Aruba, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation was finished passing over the Jordan. There's one thing that I get out of this, uh, this scripture that I smile at every time I read it. The ministerial staff had to go first. I hope you enjoy that also. And the ministerial staff stayed in the middle. And they didn't leave anyone behind. They were the last to go out. I think that's an example of our ministerial staff today also. And in the outline that I've prepared for you, Jordan River experiences are common throughout Scripture. We know that. And they reveal God's faithfulness. God is faithful to his people. And also in the book of Joshua, Obedience, obedient faith brings abundant blessing. That's not the quick way through life, is it? But it's the best way. There's a couple of things that, that I want to expound here. Uh, the first is, we can argue about dates all day long, but generally on a timeline for today, we can establish that about 1350 B.C., the children of Israel came up to the Jordan River the second time to pass. We know that about 40 years earlier, they had been there before. So this was, uh, we've never seen that before a moment for the children of Israel. Would they be willing to follow Joshua? Would they be willing to follow the Lord? You know, the Lord and the Holy Spirit shows up at the very worst time sometime in my life. 
Why now, Lord? I'm sure someone in that huge group of people said, Why now, Lord? Because, see, it was the time of the harvest. It's the time the Jordan River flooded. If you go there today, the river's not so wide because of irrigation. But the historians tell us that it was about 100 feet wide, about 10 to 20 feet deep, too swift for any swimmer. And isn't that, time, isn't that about the time in our lives God shows up and asks us to trust him and the Holy Spirit puts something on our heart that we need to do? I don't know. All of y'all are looking pretty spiritual. That may just happen to me. But what do we take away from this first passage? I think we take away this. We need to be willing to move forward when God speaks. As we've been directed, we need to follow immediately in obedience. I know this for me, and I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to know. But what's your next step of faith? What's the Holy Spirit been prompting in your heart? during 2022 for this coming year. We may say, well, we, we have too many problems. We don't have it all together yet. God knows that. What's your impossibility that you need to lay before the Lord today? Ask God to direct you in the next step. We read a book that proves over and over again that he can be trusted. We can trust him when we live as a people in accordance to his word. What about when the water doesn't part? We're going to speed ahead a few years now and Isaiah lived in about 740 B.C. A lot, excuse me, uh, Isaiah was a prophet. He pro prophesied normally in Judah. And le let's read some of the words that Isaiah gave to his people. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. But now that thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. If Brother Matt was here, and he was preaching a message on anticipation of 2023, I wouldn't want him to use that verse. But the group of people that Isaiah 
was talking to around 740 B.C., it was a divided Israel. It was a divided nation of Israel. We know that Israel were ten tribes, who is referred to as a northern tribe, and there were two tribes considered the southern tribes, and they were identified as Judah. We know about 20 years later, because of history, that the Assyrians came in and they conquered Israel, the northern tribe. They assimilated their people into the Assyrian nation and their identity was really no more. Judah didn't fare much better because about 150 years, years later, you remember Babylon? You remember King Nebuchadnezzar? He came in and he took hostage the people of Judah and carried them away. God sent a prophet 20 years and 170 years before the nation of Israel was destroyed. And he gave them a message. And the message wasn't a good message, but the message was a faithful message. Through Isaiah, God told his people that what happens to you, you're still mine. I haven't disowned you, and I'm going to bring you back together. That's an encouraging message for me during hard times, knowing that this isn't the end. And we're still living part of this passage in Isaiah. We saw in 1948 that Israel was formed as a nation, and we still see people being identified and coming back to their homeland. It's pretty exciting to know that we're still living out prophecy given so many years ago. Now then, I'm minding my own business. I'm trying to walk the life that I know the Holy Spirit has impressed in me. What happens when the water doesn't part? But I'm not up to my neck in the water. But the ground gives way and I fall in. Have you ever been there before? I have. Well, in Psalms 18, 16, I think this gives evidence of when we actually fall in unintended to, unintending to during life. We know this psalm was written by King David, and in the ESV it says, He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of my waters. I like the Holman Christian standard on this verse better. It says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He pulled me out of the deep water. God is glorified and the gospel spreads when we endure. We know that King David lived about 
1,000 B.C., and we know that he is one of the ones who helped unite Israel. And we also know that this Psalms 18 is David's expression later in his life of joy and praise for what God had done for him and what God had done for the children of Israel. There were two things that he was thankful for during this period of time. One is because God sustained them through major famines. And you remember the Philistines? The Philistines were always there warring with the Israel during the reign of King David. So this psalm toward the end of David's life is a public acknowledgement of what God had done during that time period. What do we get from these three Old Testament passages sometimes the water parts sometimes it doesn't and God still directs us to go through it sometimes we fall in but we have a he has a plan and he's been so gracious to allow each one of us to be part of his plan And when we persevere, God is always glorified and the gospel will spread. We're very fortunate to live in America during this day where we can come in and we can, in many different ways, experience how God has revealed himself to humanity. It's not possible all over the world. And it hasn't been possible at different periods of time. But also, I, I think this <clears throat> perseverance goes right into the New Testament also. I love the passages in Hebrews. Hebrews is a book about endurance. Hebrews is an encouragement for one to persevere. One of my favorite scriptures in Hebrews is Hebrews 10.36. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. I really don't like people to tell me I need endurance. Because you always know there's something after that, don't you? We could debate who wrote Hebrews. A lot of books written about that. But I think one of the more important things, and it possibly, possibly could be because we don't know who wrote it, but we need to look at the audience it was written to at the time. Hebrews, like I said, is an encouragement to persevere. And it was written initially to a specific group of people. The people who the writer of Hebrews was talking to initially 
They had become Christ followers. They had been Christians for some time. They have, had withstood an initial wave of opposition. They had received brutal persecution. But in their faith, they endured. They had survived. They were young and excited. And if necessary, they were w willing to die for Christ. But as life went on, they didn't have to die. Things settled down. The pressure wasn't quite as severe. See if these attributes are about some groups of people you know. They became comfortable, perhaps even complacent. They may have let their guard down a bit. They grew older. I want to pass by that one. And they became complacent. We all know that's not a description of how the Christian life is to be lived. When Tolstoy wrote his book, War and Peace, he said, a man on a thousand mile wall has to say to himself every day, today I'm going to cover 25 miles and then I'm going to rest and sleep. Isn't that more what the Christian life is all about? Where am I today? Where are you? We could go to seminars on what to do in the 21st century to build endurance. We don't have that time today. But I've picked out four things that I think have helped me the most over my Christian walk. And what do I do to build endurance? Number one, surround yourself with champions. Who's your champion? Do they tear you down or do they build you up? You don't have to do the same thing that I do or have done. But about 10 years ago, I picked out four men who agreed to mentor me. Two were about 10 years older or more. One was about my age. And one was 10 to 12 years younger than I am. See, the objective of that is I didn't want to live a spiritual life with blinders on. And others can give you kind criticism and encouragement to see things in a different light than you see them. I'm not telling you all to go get spiritual mentors. But it's been one of the most valuable things in my life to be able to to be honest with myself, to take blinders off, and to look at things from a different perspective than my own. See, I can trust those four guys because they have my best interest at heart.
Number two, find your passion and pursue it. We didn't all come up with our personalities because it's what we chose. It's what God gave us. What does he want you to do with your personality, your interests, your talents? This is one of my heroes of the faith. His name is Eliezer Ben-Yehoda. He was a Russian Jew. He lived from 1858 to 1922. He wasn't accepted by the Jews in Palestine at the time. See, Ben Yehuda felt that the Hebrew language needed to be the common language among the Jewish people that were moving back to Israel at the time. Most of the Jews thought the Hebrew language was so honorable that it was only supposed to be used with spiritual matters. But what the people of the time didn't know, just a few years later, God was going to put Israel back together as a nation. So Ben-Yehuda was a forerunner of a common language of a nation that was going to be created and put back into existence some years later. With much opposition, he continued to work on his dictionaries. At the end of his death, some 41 years later, he had a 16-volume Hebrew dictionary. He's buried in the Mount of Olives. And what was put on his tombstone when he died was a faithful fanatic. See, God's going to lay on your heart and my heart things that our Christian brothers and sisters don't see. Do we succumb to the pressure of our social agenda and not live out our heart desires that God has put there? We don't fight among each other. But the hopes and the dreams and the ambitions that you know didn't come from yourself and was put there by the Holy Spirit, continue to live those out. Continue to believe that God has placed something in your life that you need to pursue. Third, get rid of what's holding you back. You know, I can find about 50 people in my life that are holding me back right now. And then when I take those blinders off, I find my own worst enemy is me. See, that's why I like for people to look into my life from a different perspective. They help me to identify attitudes my refusal to change. They even help me identify how selfish I am. You know, there's only one throne in your life, isn't it? 
It wasn't made for us. It was made for Jesus Christ, wasn't it? And the last one that I would like to mention is don't even think about quitting. Duckworth wrote a book, and the title of the book was The book answers this question. Does success come from being a genius or a combination of passion and long-term perseverance? Well, the topic we're talking about, I think I give away the answer. But her, her research found that a passion and perseverance is what develops grit. In her book, she says, be gritty. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. This may be a secular book, but you can lay that over the front of what a Christian life is supposed to be. And it matches really well, doesn't it? I read a book not long ago. It's a secular book. It's, a, it's entitled, Make Your Bed. I don't. My wife reminds me. But in 2014, William McRaven was invited back to his alma mater at the University of Texas. You see, he's a retired Navy SEAL. He, he gave a speech to the graduating class that went viral. You may have read the book and you may have seen it on YouTube. But one of the points that he made in his speech was never quit. He told of his experience as um, being a Navy SEAL and especially the training for the Navy SEAL. He was one in the class of 150. And through the six weeks of training, there were 33 who graduated. And although, although the commanders were very demanding, they did everything they could to break you down. They tried to get you to quit. But he, he said each commander would tell you, if you quit, you'll regret it the rest of your life. See, there was a big bell there, and if you wanted to end the pain, you wanted to end everything going on during that six months, you rang the bell. But see, everyone there heard the bell ring, and they knew what it meant. So in a secular setting, a retired Navy SEAL gave a speech and he said, never quit. You see, when we persevere, whether it's a spiritual matter or it's a secular, secular matter, people see our lives as one, don't they? So when they see your grit 
living out your real world life. They want to know what's different about you. You know, we can tell people about Jesus all day, and if they're not interested in hearing, it doesn't go very far. But when someone has a need, and they see your life lived out before them, they think you may have the answer. And they eagerly hear about your faith in Jesus Christ. So my question to you, my question to me, is why has God allowed you to live another day? What he's given you, I encourage you to pursue it with all you have. Pursue it with what you don't have. Because you're going to pursue it through the strength of the Holy Spirit. That's when your Christian life becomes alive to those around you. That's when you make the biggest difference in the time period that God has allowed you to live. So as we begin 2023, I'm going to modify... Hebrews 10.36, just a little. We have need of endurance. This year is going to be very hard. As a group of believers, we're attempting something during a time period that is just not normal. See, we're doing that because we believe God has called us to that. And when we step out on faith. The surrounding world sees us. And the success won't come from us. The success will come from God working through us. And in that way, He gets the glory. And we get to share His good news. This message wasn't meant for you. It was meant for me. And I'm just lucky enough to get to share it with you today. Let's pray. Lord, there aren't words to express. The thankfulness we need to give back to you. Because you've said that we are yours. Father, help us be determined to live in 2023 in such a way that our faith in You is evident by the way we live our lives. Father, let us rub shoulders with those who are searching for an answer and need to hear about You. Father, give us opportunities to tell our story about how faithful you have been to each one of us. Father, thank you for this group of believers. May we continue to look only toward you. In your name we pray. Amen.